Right, good evening, everyone. My name is Craig, and uh, it's a joy to see you all. Uh, I serve here at Riverside along with um, Steve and a few others, and it's great to see you, especially if you're here with family, um, if you're visiting uh, with friends. It's uh, just lovely to see you, and so uh, Merry Christmas from um, my family to yours uh, on this wonderful uh, evening uh, and going into tomorrow. Weren't our kids just wonderful? Hey, they were awesome. I think they deserve another round of applause. I really enjoyed that, and uh, I know um, your kids have already been here a while. Uh, don't worry about them being restless and making noise. We're okay. As you've seen, uh, we love kids here. So I want to, uh, you to imagine as we start out this evening, I want you to imagine that you are given the task of announcing the king to the world. So this is the job. It's not just any king. It's not just kind of the king of your town or, you know, the ruler of a province. We're talking the most mighty king that's ever existed, the king of the whole world. And you have to introduce him to the world. What a a job that would be. I don't know if you're into event planning. It's not quite my thing, but you'd want to go all out. And I try to think about this, and I had to go to uh, the movies to try and get how I would do it. And um, these two images kind of define the one being the Lion King, right? You can hear that moment. I almost thought about playing the clip but then you guys wouldn't want that to stop and be really angry when I get up to preach because you just want the movie to play, right? So that was the first movie I ever saw on the big screen. The original Lion King. And those opening minutes, right? They are the, still, I watched it the other day with my kids and Edie watched it for the first time. Um, and it was just re, uh, kind of seeing that through her eyes. It's Right, it's so grand. Here is the new king being announced. I think if I could do it one way, that might be it. The entire animal kingdom, okay, bar one, the horrible Uncle Scar, uh, every other animal is there in joyful celebration, bowing down to the arrival of the new king. It's magical, it's grand. Everyone's present. It's just this incredible moment. And if you're unfamiliar, Uh, Just another kind of, I'm not into Star Wars or Star Trek. I'm a a Lord of the Rings uh, Tolkien fan, and that is is Aragorn, who is uh, crowned king of all men. And just this wonderful moment as well, if you know the storyline. But again, just so many people, so grand, this epic moment, so much pomp, so much ceremony. Sometimes I see that with the royals in Europe, how people line the streets for kilometers Uh, to see a coronation, to see a wedding, waiting outside hospitals, uh, sometimes for hours, sometimes days to catch a glimpse of this royal baby being born. Just incredible how much goes into uh, the proclamation of a, a royal person being born. So much proclamation going into the announcing of a king, a monarch, royalty. Crazy what goes into it. Quite the contrast to what we celebrate with the arrival of our king. Have a look what it says in Scripture. 
And I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 4 to 7. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. We can see just how opposite this is. The whole world goes nuts with the kind of fanfare and and the pomp and ceremony and grandeur when it comes to royalty. But here the true king, God in flesh, this is how he enters into the world. Now there's something quite striking about this. Now, um, Inez and I, uh, we lived in Cape Town for a long time, and uh, when our kids were born, we didn't have much family around us, and it was quite daunting having a birth with uh, no family. But what's interesting here is, is Joseph has gone to his hometown. They've all gone back. They're doing a census, like a big government headcount is taking place. And so there is bound to be family, at least some aunties or some cousins or some family friends. Here up in Joburg, we experienced that. There's, there's family everywhere. And there's like seven sisters. So we can, you know, just around the corner, there's, there's lots of family. We know the difference between a town with family, a town with no family. This is kind of quite dramatic for Mary and Joseph. They're in a town with family. It's his hometown. And for him to uh, not have any place to stay, to not even be in a guest room, kind of is unpacking for us that there is some scandal, uh, that there is some controversy around you. No one wants to have anything to do with this couple. And so they give birth where there's a manger, a feeding trough that they have to put Jesus in. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says around this. Here's the quote. God is not ashamed of the loneliness of human beings. God marches right in. He chooses people as his instruments and performs his wonders where one would least expect them. God is near to loneliness. He loves the lost, the neglected, the unseemly, the excluded, the weak, and the broken. He wasn't born in this lofty palace, surrounded by all these attendants with servants to wait on him hand and foot. He wasn't born in this huge castle with battlements and armies around him. He wasn't born in the Holy of Holies with all these priests around him. He was born in a manger. His mother was a teenager who was not married. And the people who came to him were shepherds. If you don't really get what that means, they weren't loved by people. They were dirty and lived outside the city because no one trusted them. See, we learn something straight away about the nature of God. Is he's not hidden behind walls. God comes in such a way that he can be known. People can find him. The star on the Christmas tree was that people would know where he was. 
not hidden, not tucked away, not these layers and hoops that you've got to jump through in society to be able to catch a glimpse of the mighty King, the Savior of the world, born for us. No, you could find Him. People told Him, the angels told the shepherds where to find Him. He was there to be known. That's a big deal about Christmas. It's a big deal about what we're celebrating today. There's a major shift that happens with the birth of Jesus. God comes so that he can be known. I want you to hear that this evening. The heart of what I want us to hear this evening is that Christmas, the shift Uh, What happens is God leaves uh, heaven, becomes a man, and dwells among us so that we can know him. Actually, this is quite important. I want you to say, we can know him. Christmas is about how we can know him because he came to be known. One of his disciples reflecting on this, wrote these words in 1 John 1, 1 to 4. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked um, and touched, or looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Did you pick up some of the words in this passage? It's very tangible words, right? Seen, heard, touched, testified. Also that we can have fellowship. If you don't know what fellowship is, it's relationship. It's I know you, you know me. And what the writer John here is talking about is having known Jesus is that Jesus wants to be known as well. We have a God who is not distant. We have a God who is not hidden. We have a God who revealed himself to us. You might have heard us uh, talk about the name of Jesus around his birth, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And he wants to know you and he wants to be known by you. This is a big deal. And I know, you know, if you had to kind of go out into the streets and you had to um, ask the question to people, who is God? Man, you ask 10,000 people, how many responses, different responses are you going to get? You're going to get around about uh, 10,000 different answers to who is God? And you know, there's so many depictions of God, so many different religions, you know, God up there who's aloof, uh, kind of disinterested, you know, just messing with our lives, kind of spinning a wheel and having fun with us, kind of look at the musings of prophets and, and uh, uh, you know, kind of spiritualists. But there's a difference. 
there's a difference. And this is what sets Christianity apart, is this moment that we reflect on and celebrate this time of year. See, we're not saying we've just worked it out more than what you have, or that we've kind of figured uh, something out that we're cleverer than uh, all of those prophets or, or things like that. But the claim of Christianity is very simple. It's that God came into the world so that he could reveal himself to us. The claim of Christmas is that God came into our world so that he could reveal himself to us. There's a well-known kind of parable proverb uh, of Eastern origins where they take six blindfolded uh, men into a room. And while they're in the room, they bring in this real-life elephant. And the elephant is there, and they, they, they put these six blind men around the elephant, and they ask each person to touch and put out their hand and touch. So the, the first person reaches out and he grabs the tusk. And so he goes, oh, this is a spear. The second person reaches out and he grabs the trunk and he goes, oh, I'm holding a snake. The third person puts out their hand and they, they touch the side of the elephant and they go, oh, I'm, I'm touching a wall and so on and, and so on. And, and kind of what they kind of get to with the conclusions of this parable is that we're all blind when it comes to knowing things about God. And so who are we to judge what one person believes or what one person says about God? Or because we're all blind and all truth is subjective, how can we really know anything about God? We can't judge anything. But no. Again, this is where Christianity is different. And what Christmas means and reveals. The claim of Christmas, the claim of our faith is that we take off the blindfolds and everyone goes, oh, hey, that is an elephant. You see, what Christmas is saying is that you don't have to guess who God is. You don't have to guess because he came to us. He revealed himself to us We get to see what he is like in the way that he came, the way that he lived, and the way that he died. We get to know him, saying who who I am, what I'm like. I'm coming into the world. He didn't come to intimidate. He didn't come with this pomp and power and glory. No, it was humility. It was servitude where he humbled himself. And that's why we've got the baby and the cross because that depicts his life. God becoming flesh and then serving and living and dying for us. But this is a big deal. And um, Shem, I love my wife so much. And um, she bought me uh, this chocolate today. And um, I have a bit of a sweet tooth and um, I enjoy chocolates. Uh, can you guys all see this chocolate? Five star. Okay, so you know about this chocolate. Um, I'm a fan of a five star, right? And I know we could get into endless debates about favorite, cho- favorite chocolates. Uh, but this is called five star for a reason, right? Um, I know you might like your Kit Kats and your Bar Ones and your Texas, but no one's going to turn down a five star, right? I'm right. And uh, my wife uh, got this for me today, and I I want you to know about this chocolate. Um, It's dairy milk. It's good quality. Uh, 
there are, are some biscuits in here. There's some like caramel toffee. It's a big slab. Oh, that smells so good. It smells so good. I actually couldn't wait to... It is just so good. Uh, you know, well, I'm telling you, there's little nuggets of caramel in here. But you know about this, right? Bit of biscuit. All right, I think some of you want to come and eat this with me, eh? Well, I'll tell you who. I give my kids a hard time when I preach. So Aaron and Edie, why don't you come up? Where are my kids? Edie, are you going to come have some? Come, quickly, Edie. Eh? You want a piece? Why don't you try some of this? So nice. Eh? What does it taste like? (laughs) Should other people come have some? Who? Point. Pick some people out to come and try this with me, Aaron. All right, come on to Unique. Hey, taste that, Aaron. Who else? Who else wants to try some? You can come. Yeah, on to Unique. Oh, hope is hope is coming. Come, hope. Aaron, who else you have? Um, I'll call up Logan. Oh, Logan, lucky you. Call up one more, Aaron. Yeah, Hope? Um, I'll call up Levi. All right. Yeah, Logan, you have some. Guys, is this, is this good? Have some of that. There we go, Ruben. Guys are coming. Yeah, there we go. Taste this chocolate. Have you had some? Here we go. Here we go. I have one more strip. Who wants it? Okay, uh, all right, uh, your hand shut up first, Caleb. <laughs> Sorry, guys. All right, now it's all done. Now there's a problem. One is you have to buy me another slab. That disappeared too fast. Thanks, guys. You can go sit and join your parents. Thank you for uh, helping me know what that tastes like. And I, I, I had this metaphor because I want you to be a little bit cross with me because that chocolate was good. I've never had that five-star slab. I've always just had the bars, and, and they're good, but that five-star slab was so good. The biscuits, the caramel, right? Am I right? It's good. There, there's some of you, Anik, it's good, right? Some of you know what that tastes like. Some of you know that I had a chocolate up here. Some of you know about that chocolate, but there's a handful of us here tonight who know what that tastes like. We know something different to what you know. You have a head knowledge that there was a five-star chocolate. You could recite to me some of the ingredients that I pointed out to you, but you don't know what's going on right now in my mouth, how I'm salivating for more because it was that good. And that's the metaphor that I want to really show us tonight. Go back to what I was saying in 1 John 1 verse 3. So that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship was with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. I'm convinced that there are two groups of people in this room tonight. Group one, 
those who know about Jesus. You can tell me the Christmas story. You can recite to me what happens because you've been in a Christmas service before. Maybe you go to church when there's a a family dedication or an event like that. You might even own a Bible in your house. You might even have some Christian music on your playlist, but you're not like the second group. The second group knows Jesus. Group one can tell me about the chocolate. Group two tasted the chocolates. Group one knows about Jesus. Group two knows Jesus. Can say that I have fellowship with the Father and the Son. I am in relationship with Him. I know Him. I know He is good. I know that He loves me. I experienced that. I've experienced what He did for me on the cross. I can say without a shadow of a doubt, I know Jesus. I have fellowship with Him. The whole point of Christmas is that our God revealed himself to us so we could know him. But we fall into the trap to think that Christmas is for me to say a prayer. Or uh, sorry, the, the life of Jesus, Christianity is, is I say a prayer and then I go to heaven. So much more. It's knowing the Savior of the world. It's knowing our Creator God. It's knowing the mighty King of not just this earth, but of everything. That is what we are being invited into. And I know that you're in one of those two groups. I know that you either know about Him or you know Him. And I wanna put this challenge to all of us tonight. If you're in the first group, you know about Him. You're missing out. You're missing out on a whole lot. In 1 John chapter 4, it says, we write this to make our joy complete. We experience such joy in knowing Jesus. There is such joy that comes from being in a relationship with the Savior of the world. I love the story that Jody told the kids. Man, we're royalty. Sons and daughters of the king, adopted into his family. And we call our God Father because of the relationship that we have with him. That's what we talk about when we know him. And I want to appeal to you, if you're in that second, if you're in that first group, if you only know about him, I'd love to know what's holding you back from moving to a place where you can, like those of us who ate the chocolate, taste and see how good Jesus is. To come into that genuine, life-giving relationship and know Jesus. And if you're in the second group that you know Him, man, there's no limits to that relationship. Absolutely none. And you can just go and know him more and more and more with far greater clarity and reality. And so I wanna challenge you on this Christmas Eve, you know which group you are. And what are you going to do about that? So again, I invite you to come and know Jesus. I'm here at the front. There's some um, people who would love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you and to introduce you to my Savior, Jesus so that you can know him like I know him, that you can taste and see how good he is. And then as we sing this final song, if you are a believer, follow Jesus Christ, enjoy this and worship our Savior, who there are no bounds to that relationship. Jesus, I'm so thankful that you are a God who made himself known. You didn't stay hidden. 
You were not removed from us, but you came and lived amongst us, died amongst us, and rose again so that we could know you. Not know about you, not read about you and and have a vague idea, but an intimate knowledge and experience of you as God, our Savior. Jesus, I'm so thankful for my own relationship with you. I'm so thankful that you revealed yourself personally to me and that changed my life forever. God, I'm so thankful that I know who you are, that I get to call you Father. God, thank you that you've done that and made that available for every single one of us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.